there's incredible amounts of urbanization and, and buildings being built, green space being lost. And we need a Bethesda Green and all of these communities to really focus on how to make these communities while growing uh, so substantially still green and livable. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gretch from the I Am CEO podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Adam Roberts of Bethesda Green. Adam, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Gretch. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, super excited to have you on. And before we jumped into the interview, I want to read a little bit more about Adam so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Adam is the executive director of Bethesda Green, a Maryland nonprofit organization that is working to address environmental challenges locally by creating a sustainable green community built collaboratively through citizen engagement environmental education, government partnership, and innovative business development. Adam, super excited to have you on the show here about all the awesome things you're doing. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Absolutely. I'm excited for it. Awesome. Well, let's make it happen then. So to kind of kick everything off, I know I touched a little bit on it when I read your bio. Could you take us through what I like to call your, your CEO story? We'll let you get started with all the awesome things that you're doing. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate that thoughtful introduction. And, and uh, it's hard to sort of think about my work because it has spanned three decades. I, I realized I started in the nonprofit sector in Washington, D.C. in 1991, um, fresh out of college, pretty much. And, uh, you know, I think my my story is probably not atypical from a lot of CEO stories, whether it's in the nonprofit space or the for-profit world, in that I, I started at the bottom and worked my way up. You know, my first job in the nonprofit sector was at an animal welfare organization in Washington, D.C., where I was literally the administrative assistant guy opening the mail and filing papers. Because Back then, we actually had papers to file um, before everything was computerized. And, and uh, little by little, I started to use the time that I could build into my day to research the issues more, get involved, and then ultimately found an opening where there was an issue that the organization was interested in, but had no staff person assigned to it. And so I just took on that issue for myself. And at the time, that was endangered species conservation. Uh, so I would uh, literally bust my butt in the first half of the day to deal with all the administrative tasks. So that the second half of the day after lunch, I could focus on research, writing, started doing some lobbying on Capitol Hill, and then got engaged in international wildlife work through the United Nations and, and uh, just kept working my way up from there, ultimately starting another nonprofit uh, after my daughter was born in 2004. Uh, and then I ran that for about 10 years till I became the global CEO uh, and then left in 2017 to take on the job as executive director of Bethesda Green. So it really has been kind of a, a journey. And, and I would just add that, you know, what's also interesting for me is that along the way, um, I've started other nonprofits that I've done kind of a side projects where uh, a group of us, some of my colleagues, for example, identified a need. Uh, that wasn't being fulfilled by current nonprofit organizations. So like a serial entrepreneur that starts new businesses over and over again because they see an opportunity, we did the same with nonprofits. And a lot of those organizations are still going a decade later. And some of those are, are some of my proudest uh, um, achievements. 
Nice. I absolutely appreciate you and, you know, sharing your journey. And I think so many times um, I try to hammer home, you know, especially during these episodes, uh, the, the secret to the overnight success is it takes 10 years mm-hmm. or like you mentioned, like three decades. I think hearing that story, I think is so inspiring because I think we live in, sometimes it feels like a, I guess, a hot pocket type of scenario where we feel like it just happens overnight. I know I, I touched a little bit on Bethesda Green when I, when I read your bio. Could you take us through a little bit more on how you serve your clients and, and how you make that impact? Yeah, sure. And, and you know, one of the things that I found so intriguing about Bethesda Green and, and why I was excited to take on this opportunity three years ago um, was that we work on environmental projects, as you mentioned in your intro, focused on Bethesda, Maryland, right? It's It was started in Bethesda, Maryland by community uh, residents in Bethesda and councilmen in the um, in the county council in Bethesda uh, for Montgomery County. And, and so it's, it's got a very local feel, but all of the work that we do is completely replicable, right? So we're trying to make Bethesda a sustainable urban ecosystem. And I think when you look at the schematic across the country from coast to coast, you find there's incredible amounts of urbanization and, and buildings being built green space being lost. And we need a Bethesda Green and all of these communities to really focus on how to make these communities while growing uh, so substantially still green and livable. And and so that's one of the things that really excites me about the work that we do. So as you said, we're trying to um, make the community more um, accessible for local residents in terms of access to composting, logo on, we put them out in the community to increase levels of recycling. Uh, we're trying to prevent stormwater pollution and flooding by planting rain gardens. So we're doing all of that kind of direct community engagement work to improve the community at a time of rapid urbanization. Nice. I absolutely love that, especially the the, the myriad of ways in which you're able to kind of, it sounds like, take that mission and how it manifests itself. Like you said, you know, doing on the, the groundwork, but also it sounds like empowering those people. Mm-hmm, exactly. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I wanted to ask you now for what I call your secret sauce. And you might have already touched on this because it could be for the organization or yourself personally or a combination of both. But what do you feel kind of sets you apart and makes you unique? Well, I think for the organization, the thing that sets us apart and the thing that I haven't seen very much over my 30 years in nonprofit work is um, the different ways that we approach this issue, all of environmental focus, sustainability focus work, um, all within the same organization. You know, there are nonprofits out there that are advocacy organizations. They're geared toward educating the public or lobbying organizations that are geared toward legislative solutions to a problem, uh, or there are project or scientific organizations that are really focused focused on doing on the ground projects, field work, scientific work, to solve a problem. Uh, but Bethesda Green kind of combines all of those things in partnership with the broader community. So we've got partnerships that we built with members of the school board, uh, members of the county council, members of our state delegation. So you deal with not only the school board, but the legislation, uh, the legislative bodies, um, community leaders, corporate leaders, we're working with all these different aspects of the community to ensure that we can actually do good work for the environmental projects that we do on the ground, which I talked about before, like increasing access to recycling and building this entrepreneurial ecosystem that's good for sustainability-driven businesses. So we're really taking kind of this holistic ecosystem approach to saying, you know, we have this community, Bethesda, the broader community, Montgomery County, where Bethesda sits, And we want to make sure that it's got the strongest sustainability focused ecosystem possible. And we can't just do that 
by pushing legislation at the county council. And we can't just do that by trying to educate students in the local schools, et cetera. We wanna do it all as one sort of comprehensive package, knowing that sometimes we'll succeed more than other times, but if we keep taking that holistic, uh, collaborative partnering approach, we have a much greater chance of succeeding in the long term. And I think that's what makes Bethesda Green special, if not unique, and, and also what I think can be replicated in, in other communities around the country. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And I almost feel like, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I almost feel like, especially because of how, like, I guess, multifaceted some of these problems and, and the, the creating these these solutions. And the key word that I heard, you know, you say was that sustainability. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? Well, you know, it's interesting that uh, I think a lot of people gave me a lot of ideas when I first became an executive director, you know, ultimately a CEO. Um, when, I, when I got, when I transitioned from being an advocate to an executive, um, there were lots of bits of advice about watching TED Talks and reading books and all of those things. And I think when I reflect back on sort of the past sort of 15 years or so when I've been in that kind of executive uh, CEO type role. I think the, the thing that's benefited me the most is creating different sounding boards to actually talk to people and have proper conversations with different people about the challenges or the problems or the aspirations that I face and have as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, so many times we forget, I think Einstein, yeah, his quote was, uh, we, we can see so much farther by standing on the shoulders of giants. And I love that sounding board concept. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it's an opportunity to get pushed a little bit. And I think a lot of times, you know, for, for me, you know, I admit freely that when I first took over uh, as a CEO, I, I think I had a little bit of, um, you know, arrogance is probably the right word. I thought, well, I've achieved you know, the top of the organization. And that means that I know what I'm doing and, and I'm going to run with it. And then I realized I didn't have a damn clue what I was doing and I had to <laughs> figure it out. You know, every day I had a new challenge that I had to, to uh, not only identify, you know, realize that it is a challenge. It wasn't always thrown in my face. Um, but, but, you know, I had to find creative ways to solve these things. And, you know, my, my executive job coach used to always ask me the same thing when I said I didn't know the answer to something or didn't know my way around a certain complex problem. He, already, he always used to say, you know, what if you did know the answer? What would you say? And I always thought, you know, that was the most annoying, maddening thing I could be asked. <laughs> like, what if, if I knew the answer, I would tell you, but I don't know the answer. And he would just keep asking the question over and over again, pushing me. And he made me feel uncomfortable. And at a time when I thought I was so comfortable with myself and my experience and my knowledge, it was really good to be pushed out of that comfort zone and feel a little awkward and have, have to figure something out that I didn't think I could figure out. And it, 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 it worked in uh, amazing ways for me. And um, I'm always grateful for that advice, even though it was maddening advice at the time. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. But it, uh, it we sometimes forget like uh, there's like, I guess I don't want it feels like muscles, like a lot of times when you're uncomfortable and you have to work on different muscles, you have to think creatively about solutions that some may sometimes may not even exist. So to have somebody that, you know, is holding you to the high standard that a lot of times we hold ourselves to and wants even more about us and by asking those challenging questions, it allows us to grow even more. And it could, like you said, be frustrated. So I appreciate you talking about that aspect of it, because I think so many times 
sometimes we don't hear about those, um, you know, behind the scenes kind of conversations and what that can sometimes feel like inside. But I think if you continue to kind of take one step in front of the other, you start to see that you, you see that growth, you see those muscles start to strengthen and you start to think creatively without sometimes even hearing, hearing that question. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I wanted to ask you now for what I call a CEO nugget. So this is could be a little bit more of a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something you touched on. It might be something you would tell somebody that potentially goes through the, the innovation lab, or if you have to do a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. Well, so, so you know, it's it's hard for me to to kind of give advice in this concept because um, I still feel like I'm learning. But but I'll tell you the one thing that that I always um, advise whether it's staff or colleagues or entrepreneurs or anybody else, it, it's to think in um, small bites, you know, take small bites, small steps along the way, which I think, and I've thought about this a lot lately, sounds counterintuitive when we're trying to do big things, right? We're trying to have big wins in the, in the nonprofit space. We're trying to, you know, fight climate change, right? So, some huge emergency that has a real impact on the planet or somebody is starting a business and they want to succeed at business, I think it's really easy to focus on the end goal so much that you don't do the necessary things to achieve the end goal and, and then you miss out at the end. And and for me, everything is about taking small steps to get there. Nice. I, I love that nugget. And so um, I want to ask you now my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Adam, what does being a CEO mean to you? You know, it's a great question. And and obviously, I bet, you know, if you if you interview 100 CEOs in a year, you're going to get 100 different answers. And um, for me, and, and I, I I think this is because of the way I transitioned to becoming a CEO, being a CEO to me means being a very good chess player. And, and I, I say that because when I first became a CEO, as I mentioned before, I was an advocate. You know, I was doing public demonstrations and writing uh, persuasive essays, trying to get published in magazines to convince people to do good things for animals and wildlife and the environment. And I was lobbying Congress for legislation. So I was sort of on the ground. And I thought when I became an executive that I was going to lose that that connection to the work and, and, you know, that sort of typical concept of, of management, you know, being something outside the work that you're doing. And then I quickly realized that, you know, a good chess player making all the right moves, thinking about the board, having a big vision of the entire chessboard, and moving pieces thoughtfully and thinking one, two, three steps ahead, three moves ahead. I do this, what's going to happen with that? If I can just keep making right moves and good moves and thoughtful moves and thinking about how we're sort of doing this work, how we're playing the game, so to speak, uh, we'll all be effective. And then, you know, that work that I used to do, the hands-on advocacy work, driving these issues forward would all benefit. And my experience has been that it's worked out that way. Nice. I, I love that analogy. Appreciate, you know, your time even more. Uh, what I wanted to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find out about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. Well, I appreciate that. So obviously, anybody should feel free to contact me directly. You know, I was thinking about sort of in that wrap up concept of, of anything else to share. You know, I, I think about my grandfather a lot and realize you know, how he came up through the depression and worked hard and ended up building his own business after World War II. And, you know, he was always a hard work guy, but I never quite saw the depths of his hard work, right? I only saw my grandfather who was picking up the tab at dinner and, 
um, you know, had a nice car and and went to his you know house in the mountains and stuff. And um, but but I always knew that that guy worked really hard, and I always felt for myself that hard work was the key. And so um, you know that that's something that inspires me. You know, just just knowing that I'm working hard for a cause. So um, I'm happy to talk about that or any of these things with anyone who wants to. Um, my, you know, my name is Adam Roberts, and I'm at adam at bethesdagreen.org. And folks should absolutely feel free to check out that broad portfolio of work that we do at BethesdaGreen.org. And- absolutely. And to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information in the show notes so that everybody can get in touch with you. Appreciate you, my friend. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for putting me on. I appreciate the opportunity to share our work with everyone. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.